Hello, I am Heidi and welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we talk to real people and share true stories of overcoming life's challenges. We are taking life's lemons and making lemonade. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Perry. Welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I'm so looking forward to getting to know you and hearing your amazing story. So start out by telling me just a couple of little things about yourself first. Okay. Thank you for having me, Heidi. I'm an actor. I'm a, I'm a writer. I think the best way to, to explain it is I was a child that saw this thing that we now call a TV, but at the time I had no idea what it was. And I see two people on there which we now know is acting. But at that, I was like literally at that age where it just looked like two humans was in a box. And I remember sitting there, I was on the floor and I'm looking up and I'm watching it. And I, I remember just in my head being like, I want to be on that. And just as the years went by, that has progressed through maturity, through awareness, through growing through, you know, throughout life to being somebody who is just very inspired by true stories and just believes that one of his purposes on this planet is definitely his passion is to put out powerful stories and you know ideally through the forms of visual and cinematic storytelling to bring people together from different walks of life and to inspire changes so that, that's me in a sexy sentence um <laughs> <laughs> but men, there's many pieces to that pie of course to make oh, that up yeah. of course Oh, it's so good to meet you. It seems like we both have the same mission. I rather do it behind a microphone. <laughs> so <laughs> you want to do it more visual. And I love that. Yeah, so yeah. you've got to take me back. I think you have a lemon to lemonade story to share of why you're doing what you do. I think I do too. I think so. The main the main sort of stem of this, it, it goes back to when I was a child. And if anybody's been following me for any length of time, and for those of you who are listening to this for the first time, I, I speak a lot on sexual abuse and I do a lot of work for the survivor community and helping victims become survivors, helping survivors become warriors. And that is fighting and winning battles and fighting and winning battles for other people too, becoming a voice for the voiceless. And I create a lot of awareness around intrafamilial sexual abuse, which is sexual abuse that happens within a family environment which i believe is like is one of the last taboos that, that is out there you know you can uh which is very very difficult to do but you can to some to some extent talk about something that happened at maybe a party when you were 21 years old you know you don't want to talk about it but to utter those words you know you can but to talk about your dad abusing you, to talk about your mum abusing you, to talk about what your granddad used to do, you know, that's like suicide to a lot of people for a whole host of reasons. That's what really started that process of, of turning the lemons into lemonade because like, well, listen, I've got a story and it can either crush me, it can make me depressed for the rest of my life and it can make me a victim of what we call life or I can use it to turn my pain into purpose. Uh, so. For me, it started when I was uh, 10 years old and it was my step-granddad that used to sexually abuse me. And at the time, I didn't know it was sexual abuse. I had no idea. I thought it was just, you know, he was grooming. He would take me to the pub who let me drink Guinness or ale, you know, and obviously when you, when you can't drink, right? So that was cool. And he would let me watch TV shows when my dad said that I wasn't allowed to. So he would do all the things, right? Which 
in the grand scheme of things is what grandparents should do it's just it's all about what, what the intent is behind it okay obviously intent wasn't pure and it wasn't great but the actions was fantastic because i wasn't old enough to know what intentions were and to be honest i shouldn't have had to worry about what intentions were i just assumed it was just a, a form of love that no other family member was given to me and by the way for anybody listening i come of a whole bag of trigger warnings so just fyi a whole host of them i remember there was this one time well i, I don't actually remember this which i get onto in a second but my my stepmom caught it happening because he was doing it in the living room in front of her oh she's watching the tv he dropped his cigarette burning a hole in the carpet and she's wondering why is he not picking it up and as she looks up and she sees movement underneath the blanket she didn't know in that precise moment of time of the specifics of what it was but her the hair stood up on the back of her neck and she took me into the next room she took me home she told my dad my dad confronted me with pure anger and i told him about what that was and essentially that's really where the journey started it wasn't the journey didn't really start when i was getting sexually abused my, the journey really started when my dad said right you're not going to go to school and tell people about this okay you're not going to go and tell your mother because i was living with my dad and stepmom my, my actual biological mother left when i was th uh, four ish four five years old three four five uh it's like you're not going to tell her you're not going to tell anyone you're going to keep this at home okay we don't want a black cloud over the family name and i remember that that's what started it because that's what started the silence and as we know there's a, a lovely quote that i heard once that it's not what the the robber takes from your house it's what they leave behind you know it's it's known that somebody's gone through your drawers and looked at you under it it's known that they've done whatever around the house and and it's a pretty similar thing so before i jump ahead that's kind of like where it started you know that's where the the the, the wounds were created and they start to get deep yeah so did your grandfather do this to your dad as well is that part of the reason why he was so not um, that's why, accepting that's why, of it correct and I only found that out after my dad died mm. now if we're going to jump way ahead now so my dad becomes an alcoholic and then he uh, a very quiet alcoholic he's a I think I get my talent of acting from him he's very good and uh, my stepmom didn't they only knew about it because my grandma got a whiff of it because he was going out to the car awfully a lot and coming back in for no apparent reason. And then she saw him with a bag once, like a small bag, just doing it in a, out of the car boot. And uh, they confronted him and he he said, yes, he was drinking and basically lost his job and he just went downhill mentally and he started to put on weight, like belly, you know, like alcoholic belly weight, which is very common, became very depressed and he became very 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 negative and toxic he became a diabetic he then had high blood pressure so it's like a it was like a domino effect and then paramedics came around because he had a pain in his stomach and they said that they needed to even out his blood levels so, so they're going to take him to the hospital and then he had a heart attack in the back of the van and he didn't make it to the hospital and he was 48 years old basically when that happened i went through you know the the, the whole grieving process and breaking this was the third time i spoke out about my my story was via video and I put it on social media and then obviously everybody saw it and I go to my stepmom's house and she said to me I've watched the video and I said okay you know she goes well we didn't know it happened more than that once and I was like what do you mean she goes well when I caught it happening I thought that was the only time 
I was like, oh, phew, you know, like if I didn't see this, it could have went on for ages. I was like, yeah, mummy, it went on for like a year, year and a half before that. In that moment of being confronted about it, I, I didn't share anything else prior. Like I, I, don't, I don't remember a lot of it. I don't remember really my dad confronting me about it. I don't remember that whole situation with my stepmom catching it. And then I go to my auntie's house, which is my dad's sister, who's like another mother in my life. And I was there and basically after a conversation, she said, you know, it wasn't just you that was abused by him. She's like, it was you, it was your cousin, Kelly, and it was your dad. And uh, that is when a lot of things made sense for me. And so what changed at this point? So you're still young and you're finding out now that your grandfather has done this to more people. Yeah. So my dad died in 2017 and I would have done that video the beginning of 2018. So that's what four, was that five years ago? Wow. Okay. So five years. So 23. And so you didn't talk about it from the time you were 10 until you did that video. Well, so yeah, I mean, like what ended up happening was, so when I was 19, I basically, my dad raised me in a way, and he always said this, he raised me in a way that he wished he was raised by his parents. His parents were alcoholics. So his mom, my nan, and his stepdad, my step-granddad, alcoholics. The type that would just drink all day, and he would have to do the cooking and cleaning, and they didn't care where he was if he wasn't there. So my dad, my dad was a London geezer, right? He was a hard man, my dad hard man when he passed away i was doing a lot of reflecting and i remember something just in me was just like you can't you can't just go down the road that you're going down now you know there's no reason why you're curled up in a ball in your dining room crying like there there are there's reasons behind this and uh and i i moved out of home when i was 19 years old because i wanted to spread my own wings rather than my dad suffocating me which he did a lot uh, so I went off and did my own thing and I went into business and I, I've done this whole what we call entrepreneurship since the age of 19. Right. So, you know, we're talking nearly 10 years now. Amongst entrepreneurship is personal development. So basically what I'm getting at is I built up a lot of self-awareness on my own, self-therapy on my own. It got to a point where I watched Lewis Howes brought out a book called Mask of Masculinity and he was on the Yellen DeGeneres show. And she and this was like in tail end of 2017. And or at least that's when I watched it. And she asked him what his reason behind the book was. And he said, well, I was abused when I was a boy and I grew up wearing these different masks, emotional masks to help me fit in. And he listed all the different masks there is. And essentially he articulated it in a way where it made me realize that's the path that I was had been down. I was like, right. Now that I know this, it's like it's one of those things where it's before I didn't know it, so I could continue the daily thing of doing it. But now that I'm aware of it, I couldn't go to sleep without I'm not the type of person to not do anything about it. Right. So I was like, okay, so what can I do about this now? I said, okay, well, I need to take the mask off. I was like, okay, well, how can you do that? Well, when your girlfriend, my ex-girlfriend, but at the time, when your girlfriend comes home from work, you're gonna have to tell her about the abuse. And I remember her knife. I was like, uh, and I'm just sort of like looking at my dog and I'm like, Amara, what do you think I should do? <laughs> right? I was like, is she going to leave me? Probably. Is that a reason why you shouldn't do it? I could say yes, but I know the answer is not. You know, I know like the answer is if she leaves you, then that's her fault. But basically I was very vulnerable and uh, like when it came to it, I was very fragile. But anyway, she came home and then I went for a walk with her and I remember just being like, I don't remember much of that walk. And I remember how I felt. 
and it was and it was a feeling of being completely naked and every hair on my body was standing up and that's what vulnerability is and is Brene Brown said once in a book about vulnerability is being naked in public you know and that's that is definitely what it felt like at the time and basically I told her about the abuse and it sort of shocked her momentarily but then she welcomed me with open arms fantastic then a few months later because I opened up that sort of can of worms which caused me to reflect and then I went on a business retreats it was like a four-day thing for the business that I had at the time and there was like maybe seven or eight people there six seven eight people there and they were going around the, the, the room introducing yourselves and I'm telling you right now it's not the environment you just randomly say hey I was abused as a child but I know like I know what I said you know as in I know that I just said my name is Perry and this is my dad's death and it is you know crippling me but and I know that it's also because of the abuse too and I was sexually abused as a kid by my sick granddad and I didn't look at anybody in the face and I was just staring down at the ground but I do remember this feeling and it's the feeling that of what are you doing I said like why are you speaking this but my the words were just coming out and I remember I finished talking and I just stayed looking at the ground and then I looked up at the two mentors running it and they just sort of looked at each other like that and then I remember them saying we need to introduce you they, they literally just said right we need to introduce you to a friend the guy's name because he recently lost his dad and I think that he will help you in some way and that was it then in the break one of the girls a fitness trainer came up to me and uh, she was like thank you so much for sharing that because I think you've brought the whole room together and at the end of the event they write cards so you can write a card put it in the envelope throw it into a bowl so nobody knows who wrote what and then you can take whatever card if it's got your name in the front and I've got like five or six cards and they sit in my car and I always keep them in the glove box so I'm driving home from that event I need to share my story again because I, I like again it's the awareness I'm very grateful I've been very aware of myself a lot of the time and I remember being aware being like right your bubble your comfort zone has been expanded since being around these guys so use that get your story out again and then in my head i'm like cool actually while well, i'm driving now so when i get home i'll do it pause no you won't because when you get home which is in 45 minutes time you're going to talk yourself out of it so i pulled my car over to one side right literally just pulled my car into the next street seven takes got the video up on onto social media and then that's then relating back to what i was saying earlier about seeing my stepmom and my auntie and then that you know all of that happened and then in relation to what you your the question that you asked which was well now that you know that you know that your dad was abused by him and you and you know that your step had abused many people not just you how did you feel about that well it's interesting it's definitely a, a, a bit of pill to swallow knowing that my dad was abused by him so my dad knew what type of man my step was yet he still allowed me to go around there so of course, you know, this is all natural things, but I also know that my dad was a human being and he was a victim living in silence. And when it comes to, and I say this all the time, that sexual abuse in a family environment is never black and white. There's, there's an array of colors on that palette and it's, it's, it's the most complex thing in the entire world when it comes to family members. So I found forgiveness pretty quickly with my dad, with me, not so quickly with my step granddad, but I always recommend people to forgive the abuser because forgiveness has nothing to do with the abuser. It's everything to do with you. I allowed myself to find forgiveness, and I wrap this up now, I allowed myself to find forgiveness essentially by leading with curiosity. 
And for me, leading with curiosity, just trying to get as many pieces of the puzzle as you possibly can. You can't always create that clear picture, but you could try to get some pieces. And those pieces might be just creating a story of what happened that you can maybe sit with to make yourself feel better and move forward. For me, I managed to actually meet up with his two daughters because when I launched my book, they reached out to me and I was shitting bricks. I was like, they're going to take me to court or, you know, I'm just thinking of all the worst things. I'm going to say, how dare you speak about our dad like that? You know, he didn't do that. And then in the message, they said he's a, he abused us all too. And uh, you got the full support of the family. And then, uh, and I found out that my stepgrand, I grew up in, him and his brother went to a Catholic preschool, was abused by the priest, raped by the priest, beaten by the priest. And, uh, you know, Cork, which is where that was, is listed in the spotlight film at the end. You know, um, the school was closed down and loads of reports have come out about the molestation that happened there. And my step granddad was just a, don't get me wrong, you know, mo the majority of people who have been abused do not go on to abuse others. Okay. But there are a small group that just get lost in the wounds and they don't, they become someone else. You know, they become the demons that they are scared to confront and they inflict that on, on to other people. And that allowed me to find forgiveness and it's allowed me to boldly lead with my story every day, you know, because I know that there's people like me out there, right. Who was living in that 12 year silence. There's people like me out there. who's just broken their silence and wants to inspire others, but don't know how there's people like my dad out there who lived and died in silence or they're dying in silence. And there's people out there who's like my step granddad. Maybe they are abusing other people or maybe they have had thoughts and they haven't taken action yet. Or maybe they're on a the slippery slope towards that. Wow. <laughs> I love your voice. I love that you are sharing this. Like that is so scary. That's got to be one of the hardest things to talk about. And you are so brave and I appreciate that. So what would you recommend or what is your advice to someone who might be one of those people that you were just referring to? Now, bearing in mind, if you listen to this, don't get like I, I do talk to my audience is those who have when it comes to this message is those who have gone through sexual abuse within a family environment. However, let's let's now scope out a little bit when it comes to living in silence. Most people can relate to that. Whether it's the fact that you don't actually love your partner anymore, but you don't you, know, you live in silence on that. It could be anything, but you understand the whole part of living in silence now. So, yeah, so so sort of match it to what you're going through. But Let's now reel it back to what my message is about. So for those people who've been through abuse as a, as a kid and they're living in silence about what happened, they will look at my story and they'll be like, okay, so Perry told his partner, then he told people at a mastermind, and then he told the world about the abuse. So I need to go out and tell someone. I always say, no, you do not do it how I done it. Don't. I didn't have a process to follow. I just did what I felt like in the moment was the right thing to do. And I never have regrets. So I'm glad that I've done it that way. However, if I went on a walk with my girlfriend at the time and I told her about the abuse, which I did, but she did not welcome my story. She said that I was lying or she paused for too long. And she said that she needed to think about it, right? Because why would I keep saying from her for so long? Anything along those lines is basically not what we wanted to hear. That can cause us to go back into silence because now we associate our truth with rejection. Right. Okay. Because we just told the person that we love the most. Yeah, and they've just, it felt like, and here's the thing, it might not have been the case, but it's not about what's true, it's about what people perceive to be true, it's about what you perceive to be true. So your partner might actually welcome your story, but they paused for 30 seconds too long. Mm 
right? Or they said one word that they didn't really mean in the moment, but it just came out. Doesn't matter if they say sorry after, right? The damage has been done. So I always say that what you ideally need to do is get to a place where you don't need validation from anyone. You don't need approval from anyone. You don't need someone to say, I believe you. You don't care if they believe you or not, right? So you believe you, you validate you. So it's like, okay, well, how do you get to that point? Well, you get to that point by taking ownership over your story because once you own your story, you can own your life, right? So it's about confronting your story, breaking the silence to yourself first in as many different ways as possible. So instead of telling your partner, step number one, tell them step number 17. The first 16 times is a different way you've confronted it. So it could be writing a poem. It could be just sitting there meditating about what happened. It could be journaling. It could be, uh, it could be choreographing a dance piece. It could be making a cup in pottery class that you have unlatched a door of the emotions that you've had trapped for so long. Another example is, you know, if we have a look at art and we see a painting and it just looks like an array of colors that have just been splashed all over it, somebody will say, why on earth is that 35,000 pounds? Well, a load of rubbish. I can do that, right? But how do you not know that that artist was living in silence for 23 years and each stroke of paint is an emotion that they have released because of the abuse that they went through, okay? And that is a monumental, pivotal moment on their healing journey. So now imagine if you do it as many times as possible in as many different ways as possible because we're all artists and we all have different ways that we like to express. Vocal, telling someone is just in a vocal expression. Writing is the same thing, you know, write a letter, burn it. That's one way. Write a letter, put it in a drawer. That's another way, you know, yeah. and then you've done that 16 times. And then you tell your partner the 17th time. How different is that? Yeah. Very, very different. Very Huge. different. You know, it's, it's, it's sharing it. I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to be sharing it from a place of being Superman or Superwoman. No, but I'm saying you're not sharing it from a place of being a wounded animal on step number one, where if you say boo, you're going to run off in the other direction. So it's about protecting yourself because you are the most important person. So if you're living in silence, my advice is to break the silence to yourself first in as many different ways as possible and only then entertain the thought of sharing it with someone else. That is the best advice. I love that so much. And I love all the different ways you can share your silence without speaking. That's amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. that's so healing and so therapeutic. I think that's great advice for someone. Wow. I love what you're saying and what you're teaching. And so now your lemonade is that you are an advocate. You help people. Yeah, exactly. You know, sharing my story, I've since breaking my silence is it's, it's a path that I took that just became a big domino effect. I've got a charity in America that I run with uh, Juliet and Sam that's called We Rescue Kids. So we currently give mental health care to child survivors of sexual abuse. I'm a trustee on a charity here in England called uh, We Together. And We Together is essentially, we're in the process of building it out now. It's a tool for victims to self-report their abuse. So rather than going to the police station and say, this happened to me, and then them saying, no proof, right? You self-report the abuse because a lot of the times if someone abused, they've abused many people, right? And then if other people have, have submitted their abuse and then there's connections and it creates a cluster, gets sent to the police, now there's multiple voices, right? Now we can increase that conviction rate. So we've got that going. I've built my audience for over 310,000 people, which is crazy. And I'm not saying that from an egotistical point of view. I'm like, that's just bonkers. You know, I don't share comedy reels. You know what I mean? So if that's not proof to you, 
that people relate to this shit, right? That that childhood abuse, sexual abuse within a family. And I always say this, I always emphasize within a family. In movies, they might touch on it for 0.5%, right? But I'm working on a film script now, a screenplay. We've got producers involved in the stuff where it's 100% of the focus because of how rife it is, sexual abuse within family, and it thrives in silence. Uh, I wrote a book that became a bestseller called Breaking the Silence. I've got a Facebook group, which is amazing. It's called The Power Tribes. So it's a free Facebook group, and there's over 2,000 survivors in there. And it's their place of just coming together without shame, you know, without fear. I've got the club, which is for people who want to use their story to inspire others. And, yeah, the Book Launch Academy to help survivors turn their story into a powerful book. And it's like, you know, all these things have happened. I don't know. It's crazy. I come from the business world, and I always created businesses, right? I was never aligned to anything. And then I took my foot off the gas, moved back in with my parents. I need to take a step back and not have to pay rent anymore. I need time to breathe. I need, you know, I need to take away the stress of finances. And that's where actually everything was born, which is crazy. And, you know, and that was like a year ago. So, yeah. Wow. You're just living your purpose and you're using your voice and it's, it's an amazing gift and it's, it's coming to everyone. And that's the, the voice that people need and the encouragement they need. And it doesn't mean they need to write a book or it doesn't mean they need to go out yeah. and do these things, but just to know that they're not alone and that there's kind of that me too, just that somebody else can relate and that this isn't okay. And that it needs to stop and not keep continuing it because it was done to you. Like there's so many key things that you've taught that you need to just keep saying it. And so thank you. Thank you for sharing this with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me the platform to extend this message. Thank you. Yeah, very powerful. Oh my goodness. Not <laughs> something anybody should have to endure. So I'm I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And I'm just so grateful that you're making this platform and this decision because of what you went through. But like you said, not everybody has to take go down a path of wanting to become this person that is a, right. a voice for the voiceless. But I can't. I struggle. I would struggle to go to sleep at night knowing that there's fathers out there drinking themselves to death because they feel like they're the only one who's been through it, you know. And um, so much else to say than that. And I think that if I can just wake up every day and just help another Andy Power out there to not go down the same path, then that's my job done. Yeah, I I'm so glad you said that a lot of family abuse is done through love. You know, because I think that's the key. That's the difference, you know, where a lot of other abuse, you know, it's done, it's done mean, it's done, you know, and you can recognize it faster, but the slow grooming and, oh, we do this because we love each other. And this is how I show I love you. And it's just done that way. Then you don't even, you're the alarms aren't going off, you know? And so it can be done so much longer and so much worse and messes with your head so much more because you think this is what love is. And it just... So I'm just really grateful that you're sharing this. So it is. There's no more confusion with that. Like it's not, I know. should not be tolerated in any way by anyone. No, exactly. And, you know, how can you expect uh, a kid who's raised by loving parents and that kid all they've ever remembered is from the age of six months old is that they share them, their bed with their mommy and daddy and they can only get to sleep after being fiddled with, you know, and now they're nine, but that's all they've ever known. So like, it's not like they are, their body on a deep, deep, deep level is traumatized because they know, but anything above that, they don't know. So they're, yeah. they're perfect. 
But then all of a sudden in class one time, you know, has anybody ever touched you? Oh, well, but they're like, well, no, yeah, no, nobody's ever touched me, right? Nobody's ever touched me. And they can go for 60 years thinking that, you know, and obviously it gets harder and harder the older that they get, right? For it to not come out the woodworks, but it's happened. And I know that firsthand, but, but then when it does come out and they realize, well, your mom and dad didn't wait, really? And then, and then boom, boom, boom. Then, then it's like, then that's what leads to the drugs. That's what leads to the alcohol. That's what leads to suicide. That's what leads to and anything else, you know, in that umbrella of self-sabotage. Because how on earth could it be so stupid and naive to think that that was normality? And that's the thoughts that a lot of survivors go through that are in situations even similar to that. Mm. You know, and that's from, yeah, from love. And obviously we have ones that are out of violence. We have the, you know, we have the uncle, we have the stepdad, we had the mother where it's violent. But it's more so out of love. And that's what makes it more tricky. Exactly. But we can only help with uh, raising the awareness around it. And then we teach kids, you know, oh, let us know, like, if you ever touched or if anybody does anything to you, especially, you know, even if it's mom or dad or grandma and grandpa, you know, let us know. But again, have, this is done out of love and it's been done their whole life. So, how, oh, okay, that's not happening to me, but yeah. this is happening to me. So it's it's a tricky line that we've got very, to help it, people understand. Yeah, It's very tricky, you know, and then it, but it takes like a like a wet fish to slap you across the face yeah. to wake you up and be like, hey, yeah. this is the reality of it. Your mom, yeah, she's your mom. Okay, but blood doesn't mean anything like when it comes to this. Yeah. And if that and if blood did make a difference and your mother wouldn't have been doing it to you. That's right. and hurt people hurt people and i love how you teach about forgiveness because we don't forgive for that person we forgive for ourselves and we forgive where we're that innocent child that has been treated that way and we need to be easy on ourselves and know that we didn't know any better and so i love that you teach about forgiving too because that you don't need to carry that you can make a change now and go forward and don't bring it into tomorrow so that's exactly Yeah. yeah thank you oh my goodness i don't want to keep you you. i'm sorry but oh (laughs) this has been lovely so thank you i appreciate it and i'm excited to get this out because it needs to be out needs to be talked about yeah no thank you i yeah thank you a lot too enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.